SCP-7462. And every night, Alagada drags you back. Object class, safe. Special containment procedures. The only known copy of SCP-7462 is kept in containment logger 2 at Outpost 312 in Neuwegen, Netherlands. Under no circumstances are the contents of SCP-7462 allowed to be recontextualized in any way. This includes transcription, modern Dutch or English translation, or adaptation through recitals, performance, or reading out loud. The status of SCP-7462 as a lost text is to be maintained under the cover story 7462-1640 Forget Buster. Any newly discovered renditions are to be retrieved and contained, and all references to their existence removed. Foundation web crawlers are to monitor for mentions of Maddock, or Maddock with an E, in combination with Alagata. Description SCP-7462 is a spiral-class hermeneutic, footnote 1, a cognitohazard activated by or resulting from the reinterpretation of an idea or concept. Attached to Maddock, an epic poem in Middle Dutch estimated to have been written around 1250. Its only surviving rendition, SCP-7462-1, was discovered as a fragment manuscript in the bookbinding of a 16th century printed edition of Carl Enda Elgast. Footnote 2. Reusing strips of parchment from obsolete manuscripts and codices in bookbinding was a common practice, and several fragments of medieval literature have been rediscovered by examining these bindings. Evidence suggests that the folios containing SCP-7462-1 were cut from the Treacher Manuscript, a handwritten composite manuscript dating back to the latter half of the 13th century, containing 70 non-anomalous medieval literary texts. The Treacher Manuscript was otherwise well-preserved, suggesting that the removal of SCP-7462-1 was a deliberate act. Madoc is a relatively short epic poem, consisting of only 701 lines of verse. The odd number of lines suggest that this rendition is incomplete. Very little is known about its writer, aside from also writing Van den Vos Reynard. Footnote 3 of Reynard the Fox, a Middle Dutch satirical epic about a medieval court of animals who were tricked by the titular fox to fall to temptation. Further examination of Reynard shows no anomalous link. However, the opening prologue of Reynard instructs the perceiver to leave its words unchanged, suggesting awareness of SCP-7462's effect. Discovery On April 26, 2004, the Foundation was alerted to the existence of SCP-7462-1 by a Foundation web crawler embedded in the intranet servers of the University of Ghent, Belgium. References to Alagata were caused to investigate. SCP-7462's effects on the retrieval and initial categorization team were inadvertently documented by Agent Jan Clazen in his field report. The newly created reinterpretation of Maddock, as seen in the addendum, displays low level of memetic characteristics, but review while observing the SCP-7462 containment procedures does not result in reactivation of SCP-7462. The events leading to the final discovery of Agent Clazen fit available security footage and reports by other personnel. All people presented confirmed the accuracy of the events, although heavily fictionalized. To date, 
This is the only documented activation event. Act 1. Prologue. Dramatas Personae. Agent Anna Dubois, newly in charge and taking the lead. Agent Jan Cleason, a man who hides a spirited need. Dr. Yasmin Mirhoy, not present just yet, but soon she will be joining our traveling set. Dr. Martin Cordoy, a scholar with knowledge to depart. Tis with him that our story will start. The agents travel to Belgium, to the University of Ghent to retrieve Maddock, which holds anomalous content. Facing them is Courtoy, graying and ponderous. He'd seen the vision, the shores of the wanderous. His words, covered by courtly display. Let us hear what he has to say. Courtoy. Still can't believe I got to read it. Truly a remarkable find. Dubois. The Middle Dutch looks strangely familiar, but I only half understand what it says. Ah, there's a trick for that. These verses were meant to be spoken or sung. Even reading, a rare skill at the time, was done aloud. All the verses are in rhyme, since that's easier to remember, but it can also help with the pronunciation. Try reading it out loud. Clayson. The opening lines which have been redacted, for the safety of those who would be affected. We only know about the author of these two masterpieces by the moniker he gave himself. Willem de Madoc Magda. Footnote 4. Opening lines to Van den Vos Reanade, translated, Willem who wrote Madoc, or Willem who made Madoc. He otherwise disappeared from the pages of history. All that remains are questions and theories. Agent Du Bois, she's learned the trick. A foundation has been laid, brick by brick. To get what you need, you approach with grace. So there is the smile, painting her face. Don't tell me you don't have an answer. Well, I certainly wouldn't say I have THE answer, but let's just say you can't study these texts as intensely as I have without being able to pick up on patterns. Willem was well-read, referencing fables, mythology, and other cultural artifacts, as well as employing the expected tropes of the genre, but with a twist. Twist? Take his other work, Van den Vos Reanade, for example. The cunning fox baron wasn't invented by Willem, but he really leaned into the idea of a fox, a common way to depict the devil, with desire and temptation, and the eventual fall of Eden. It fits the corruption of the animal court depicted in the story, and it's why that poem is still a classic today. Similarly, Madoc is a twist on the sea voyage epic to reach paradise. Who is that shade who stands to the side? A figure in shadow, a king untied. It starts with an elder wise man telling the main character about a faraway paradise waiting at the other side of the ocean and instructing him to travel with a specific number of crewmen. As Madoc prepares to leave, three unnamed monks join the crew at the last moment, begging to travel with him to Alagada and meet its king. As per the trope, Madoc can't reach paradise until his crew is back to the original number. Jan Cleason's shoulders tense as he hears that name, at last the knowledge for which they came. Cleason. What does it say about Alagada's king? Unsurprisingly, very little. It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. 
Most of the text tells us about the islands that make up Alagata, presided over by regional rulers and animal masks that represent their sins. As they encounter the four lords that make up the noble king's court, the latecomers fall one by one, a common theme for the genre. One latecomer sets off on a different mission, one is wounded and has to be left behind, and one is marked for damnation. So, the story isn't really about Alagata. In a sense, it's about what Alagata means to these travelers, their sins and desires unmasked. Only then can Madoc reach the king's court and sail home. Not exactly paradise, then. The scholar chuckles as he shakes his head. The twist is that it is, in a most deceptive way. Nothing can compare to the pleasures of Alagata. Pleasures you'll never stop craving, desires you'll have to fight until your final breath or until they eventually choke you. A heaven and hell of your own making. The encounter concludes and Courtois is forced to forget. And so are travelers told of many wonders to behold on their journey to contain that which should not remain. With their task to control, they'll learn the nature of their soul. They set sail, embark on their travel, a mystery unwinding, a knot to unravel. With the three latecomers named again, Du Bois, Merho, and Clayson. Act 2. Negrito. They arrive at the isle where the Black Lord resides, the dark cliffs of Negrito, polished by tides. A city in shadow, a castle forgotten, watched by a ruler most twisted and forgotten. Their subjects caught in endless rivalry. The Dark Lord looks down from their tower of ivory. The mask of a bear, eternal and grin, a desire for power, twas their greatest sin. Our latecomers, with the trophy in their hands, travel by car back to the Netherlands. There is one who fits the mask of the bear. The first latecomer will leave us here. Clayson. You've learned some new tricks since our last field mission. He basically ate out of your hand. I can't remember teaching you that. Dubois. It's a lot easier to amnesticize someone who trusts you. That was the last lesson Agent Clayson unknowingly taught you. How is it to leave the Ivory Tower of EU Command and work in the lowly backwaters of Neuwagen? Quite a step down. Don't say that. Outpost 312 has potential. And a fast-track to directorship for its supervisor once it gets site status, right? Clever move, Anna. That's a cynical way of looking at it. Just because it's cynical doesn't make it untrue. I'm just saying, I don't envy you. Directorship would give me a headache. From where I stand, the world is a lot less complex. Retrieve the weird stuff and shoot the monsters. It all takes its toll. Nothing I can't handle. Du Bois frowns, but has no retort. She's noticed his coffee, the Irish sort. It was good to be back in the field, even temporary. First field mission in five years and you're already done? Got a meeting in the hog about the D-Class program. You can meet up with Dr. Moho without me, can't you? I'm not sure I can charm my way to an answer the way you can. She feels the string sewn into her skin, contort in a smile, pull in a grin. The man was about to forget his greatest academic achievement, 
the least they could do was humor him. You did that and more. He was about to buy you dinner. So much for a partnership's chance to restart. Is there a problem with the way I conducted this investigation, Agent Clayson? No, Chief. Sorry, Chief. A silence between friends growing apart. You've changed. No matter how much she wished that was true, she couldn't lie. Deep down, she knew. I haven't. I just learned how the game was played. The corners of her mouth pinned in a smile. It hid a desire, a goal most vile. Rotten it is, the desire for might. She'd scheme in the dark to rule in the light. Act 3. Albedo The library of Albedo, its ashen stones arise, bright and pure against darkened skies. The white lord rules these library walls, keeps all that is known well within these halls. Masked as a cat, but one eye lost. A reminder that knowledge comes at a cost. They wash and they cleanse, tis all is pure, blind to what their subjects endure. Maddox secured, containment is next, for that they need to understand its text. Merho and Clayson will complete this task, and a latecomer will don the white cat's mask. Clayson. It's mimetic, isn't it? Merho. Actually, that's a common misconception. Memetics are ideas that spread. The Hang King's tragedy was considered a memetic virus for a very long time, until development in the field of anomalous harmonotics has led us to reconsidering its effects. Do I look like I understood what you just said? Dr. Merho looks at the man of muscle and force, then chuckles and continues her course. You look like you've lifted more books than you've read. All right, I'll break it down for you. Ever heard of a story that changed your life? An idea or concept that completed your experience of the world? Like a puzzle piece that had been missing? Surrounded by folders and binders, by knowledge, forbidden. Imagine that feeling of finally understanding a part of your reality. Reimagining it. And now imagine it's anomalous. That's a hermeneutic. A foundation of facts that's supposed to stay hidden. Next, what makes it tick? In literary science, hermeneutics is concerned with interpretation and meaning. Adaptations, performances, translations, all reworking and remixing the original, often giving a new twist to the original's meaning. So, an anomalous hermeneutic is an anomaly that's activated by, or involved with, reinterpretation. Following along, big guy? Jan Cleason nods, a little less confused. There are two types of hermeneutics, spiral class and circle class. Circle hermeneutics concerns itself with a singular response, based on a singular meaning of that anomaly. The Hang King's tragedy is a circle-class hermeneutic. If it activates, it incites violence in all affected individuals. The effect, the core meaning of its interpretation, is always violence. Don't some individuals attack bystanders and others commit suicide? Interpretation isn't black and white. If you're going to be pedantic, you're going to incite violence in me. 
They share a moment, both amused. Madoc is the other one? It's a spiral class hermeneutic, which means the effect is tailored to the individuals doing the reinterpretation. Same anomalous starting point, but with a new context. It builds a bridge between the receiver and the source, spiraling off a new meaning each time. That means that the effect can also differ with each activation. Possibly. More likely, it's a new version of wherever that bridge leads to. In this case, does it lead to Madoc, the Kingdom of Elagata, or its ruling lords? Will it bring the Hank King to our world, or us to Elagata? That's up for interpretation, which we're not supposed to do, of course. A figure steps forward, nothing more than a shade. To Dr. Merho, they hand a steel blade. And are you really content with not fully knowing the answer, Yasmin? A searcher for knowledge, her desire unshaken. Never, but that's a part of the danger of hermeneutics. They work as much on you as you work on them. I'd give a limb to see what 7462 would turn into if activated. For answers given, something needs to be taken. But times have changed, we... Don't just throw D-class at every mystery. There is a price for knowledge like that. She raises the blade close to her face. Both hands keep it steady. Keep it in place. A price in blood. A tribute. With one clear move, her eye is carved out. The price to pay for knowledge, devout. Learning a truth at any cost won't stop her. We can pretend to be better, cleaner, more proper. Redact all your crimes. By omission, you lie. Many a time, I've turned a blind eye. Footnote 5. Dr. Merho was later found in her office at the University of Utrecht, still holding the steel knife. She was rushed to the hospital to receive emergency care. The left eye could not be located. Act 4. Citronitas. Now they travel through a place that once was. The empty wastelands of Citrinitas. The Yellow Lord, their howl made silent, found their end in a battle so violent. At night, Jan remembers, but only in dream. Another person was once part of this team. A former companion, a friend who did fall. You cannot mourn who you cannot recall. There was a fourth, a name erased, torn from the pages by the horror they faced. They thought it was best if your mind was reset. Jan, what was that name you were made to forget? Clayson. All right, your turn. Biggest fear? Forgotten. Being remembered. I think you have that backwards, buddy. A soldier's refuge after living full throttle. In this line of work? God, no. There are two ways people stick out here, and they're both Scranton. You lost me. Forgetting their fears by glass and by bottle. Scranton's question, Clayson. You either get remembered for your greatest accomplishment or a horrific fate. Which Scranton you are going to be, that's the question. I'm not going to invent some shiny doodah or revolutionize some kind of anomalous research, which means I'm left with the other outcome. A cautionary tale. Your drinking habits already are one. At the end of the day, they got what they wanted. Pod and kettle, my friend. 
Nah, I'm just here to do my job and get out. Preferably with a nice retirement, but if it's not in the cards, I'll settle for a forgettable death. My goal is being less than a footnote in the history of the Foundation. I'll drink to that. Raise a glass to a wish granted. At times, Jan remembers, in dead of night. Fragments and moments, like threads untied. Nothing and no one is truly gone, but all of it fades at the break of dawn. You have two missed calls from Anna Dubois. You have one new message, which you never saw. Act 5. Rubetto. At long last our companions arrive, at the wild lands of Rubetto, where pleasure can thrive. A place for desire, for need, for want. Ruled by the Red Lord, masked in a taunt. Jan, it is known, you can only be brave. By drinking the courage you so deeply crave. Each day in a foxhole, each moment moves quicker. If you can taste the relief you find in that liquor. You have five missed calls from Jacqueline Clayson. And all of them voicemails asking where you've been. The answer should come as no surprise. Jan Cleason indulges in a toxic vice. Jan, it is time. Complete this narration. Follow the path that leads to damnation. So here you stand, Jan, where you lay. One last latecomer has to pay. And drink you cannot escape forever. You'll soon pay the price for this very endeavor. Hang as you may. At the end of your rope, where one is left with just a fool's hope, you'll arrive at the Alagadan shore to drink and forget to feel once more. In the court of the once hanged king, a ruler made of twine and string. The rope, it twists into his crest, blessed his mark in crimson nest. Until the tribute is paid in full, every day you'll feel the pull of the noose around your neck. And every night, Alagada drags you back. Note. Agent Dubois was alerted something was amiss when several calls from her and Clayson's wife went unanswered. Agent Jan Clayson was eventually found in his office, lying in a pool of his own blood and holding a steel knife similar to the one used by Dr. Merho, which he had attempted to use to slash his throat. Due to severe alcohol intoxication, he was unable to complete this task. Agent Clayson was rushed to the hospital and required several blood transfusions. Upon examination, it was discovered the skin of his neck was covered in rope burn. The above SCP-7462 reinterpretation was found among Agent Clayson's files. Further analysis showed minor mimetic characteristics in the text, but no hermeneutic effects. Dr. Merho concluded that Agent Clayson's failure to pay the tribute resulted in an interruption of SCP-7462's effects, stopping the harmonic bridge from completing. Dr. Merho completed her review of SCP-7462 after recovery and retired shortly after due to the sustained injury. November 1, 2004 Update After several months of rehabilitation, Agent Clayson signed up for the Foundation-sponsored Addiction Support Group. Thank you for listening to SCP-7462 and Every Night Alagada Drags You Back by Fly Pergoradio.
If you enjoyed this SCP, please like and subscribe, and follow the link in the description to the SCP Wiki, and voted up to support it and the SCP Wiki as a whole.